Hello and welcome to Huguenot Podcast, episode 67. Now, unfortunately, with the holidays and everything, Laura and I have both been very busy and our schedules did not align this time, so it will just be me. But today we are going to discuss um, things inspired by Urzas. This is a series I started last month, I think it was, when I went over Feo, and I'm going to continue that. Before we jump into that, though, I did want to get the other stuff out of the way. So, if you want to check out this podcast... Um, you can subscribe to the RSS feed to get it regularly, and you can find that at my website, which is hugenhoff.org. There's some other stuff on my website you might be interested in. Um, runes page, for example, that's one I'm going to mention this time, and again, that is at hugenhoff.org, H-U-G-I-N-H-O-F.org. If you had any feedback, um, show ideas, suggestions, comments, whatever, you can send that to me at Podcast at gmail.com. And that uh, email address is also found at the website. So, with that out of the way, I think I'm just going to go ahead and jump right in. So again, this podcast is not to explain Urzas the rune in great depth. I may do that at a future date. It's just to use Urzas as a jumping-off point to discuss other things um, that I want to talk about. So, what's Urzas mean? Quick definition, and this is the one from my website. Uh, untamed potential, the ability to create the universe and... In, oh, there's a typo on my website. I will have to fix that. What it... Is supposed to say is untamed potential, the ability to create the universe in our image. This is the wild ox as opposed to the domestic cow. Um, I'm not totally comfortable with that definition as a matter of fact. Uh, I'll get into that. Untamed potential, absolutely, I agree with that one. That is completely what Urzas is about. What it represents is the Oroch or even Abdullah, Abdullah being the the cow that was, or the auroch that was around in the beginning of the universe. Um, but to understand this rune, we kind of have to compare it to Fao. So Fao last time uh, inspired me to talk about money, because it's movable wealth, uh, property, stuff like that. Auroch is not a cow, but it's similar to the cow. It's like the wild cow, so to speak. What was probably domesticated in to what is current day cattle. But the difference between an auroch and a cow is the auroch is wild, it's unpredictable, it can be dangerous. Um, we can look at other rune, rune poems where the main theme from all these different rune poems is uh, the idea of the way in which the world affects us. So fail was sort of how we affect the world, and this is sort of how the world affects us. Um, there's a lot of potential in the world, but it's also very chaotic and unpredictable. So one of the things we might think about, and our ancestors probably thought about, was things like the weather. Obviously, the weather is unpredictable, Um the cycles of weather are useful to us and let us live in this world. We need the rains to make our crops grow, for example. But 
If the rains come at the wrong time, which they do sometimes, or too much, we can have things like floods. If we don't have enough rains, we can have things like forest fires. And all of these things are actually very dangerous. So there's sort of this balance with nature. On one hand, it is what lets us live, and it is the thing that keeps us alive. But on the other hand, it is this dangerous force to be reckoned with. Um, Sort of one of the things I want to talk about today is the idea of natural disasters, which is something that has probably affected a lot of people over the years. Uh, where I live, tornadoes are the ones that we worry about the most. In other parts of the country, or even other parts of the world, you might worry about tsunamis or earthquakes or forest fires. There's There's all sorts of different things that can affect us very seriously in our day-to-day life, which is just a consequence of that power that the Earth has. The Earth has a huge amount of power, and I think that's evident with natural disasters, um, storms and earthquakes and stuff like that. So we really kind of have this uh, balancing act that we're doing when we think about nature because it does give us our susten- sustenance, sustenance, sorry, I'm bad with words today. Um, it does let us live. It gives us what we need to live, but it's also very dangerous. Um, and I think we could certainly look at the storms and stuff like that and be upset, shall we say, with the natural world. And, and and we try to understand, like, well, why does this happen? Why do these natural disasters happen? And why do they seem to affect good people and bad people equally? And I said seem there, and that was a bad word choice, because they do affect good people and bad people equally. I'm not a big believer in the idea that if you are hurt by a natural disaster, it's some sort of divine retribution. I just, I just don't think that's true. Um, I think that the world does have a chaotic nature to it, to a large extent. Now, what we try to do is put order on that chaos. We do what we can to protect ourselves from natural disasters. If it's, um, with advances in architecture where certain storms will, or certain houses will be, uh, better suited to survive certain disasters, be that storms or earthquakes. That's one way we try to protect ourselves by um, using the using order and the understanding of the natural world. Uh, and those are effective to a large degree. We've made a lot of progress. I think less people are um, injured in storms and earthquakes and stuff today than they were a couple hundred years ago. Nonetheless, it is still a huge problem and is still something that's very dangerous. Um, and it's, it's easy to, it's easy to think that the world is out to get us in situations like this. And it's easy to fall into this thing where we say, well, the natural world is quote unquote bad and it's us against the natural world or it's us versus the world. And that's a viewpoint that I understand, but I don't think we should actually accept. So this idea of us versus nature is, as I said, something that that I don't think is really a good idea. Um, you sort of have this idea that comes along with that, that if we can do something to control nature, that's what we should do. 
or we should dominate nature in some way. And I don't think that usually works, honestly. And I don't think that's the best approach. I think ideas of working with nature are probably better. Um, but the problem with working with nature, if you're going to have this thing where, you know, you try to work with what's available in the earth and everything and not do any damage, if your goal is not to do any damage with the earth, the, the unfortunate side effect is there are parts of nature that are unpredictable. So there's always going to be these things that come up that you can't control the weather, for example. And, um, Obviously, I watch a lot of Star Trek over the years. If you've listened this to this for a while, I'm sure you noticed that. But one of the things that they do is they have the, like, controlled weather. Like, they have technology to control the weather. And that's nice. And you can see the advantage of it, of, you know, you have nice days all the time. And when you need rain, you just schedule the rain. You're like, okay... Uh, 8 o'clock on Saturday, everyone's probably going to be inside. Uh, so we're going to order some rain, and we'll even send out an email telling everybody that rain's coming so you don't have to worry. So that's an, I, that's an example, rather, of us dominating nature, where nature doesn't make the decisions now. We do, and I'm a huge fan of Star Trek, but <clears throat> that particular example is I don't think that's really the goal that we should be going for, to have complete control over the weather. Now, to have better predictive technology so we can say with confidence that it's going to rain at 6 o'clock on a Monday, that would be really nice, and maybe that's somewhere we do want to get to. But when we get to the place where we're actually controlling the atmosphere, um, I don't know if the idea that goes with that is really a healthy one, and you always wonder, like, what other consequences would there be if we exerted such uh, granule control over the weather? Like, what changes do the weather, or I should say, what changes would there be if we decided to schedule the weather around us to such a degree? I, I actually think it probably would not be good. I don't think that would be something that we should really shoot for. I think the idea is just to improve our existing technology, or predictive technology so that we can get really accurate versions of when severe weather is coming so everybody can be safe. And ultimately, I don't think that we will ever be to the point where we can control the weather to such an extent, even taking out the idea that there would probably be some sort of negative consequences from c controlling it to that level. I don't I don't think that we're ever going to get to the point where we actually could control it to that level. So I don't think that should be the goal, where we're trying to dominate nature. Because nature is extremely powerful. As I've said, it's just a, uh, a completely overpowering force that we're never going to be able to master, but we may be able to work with. And I think we can have a future where our predictive technology is better, advanced warming for severe weather, or I mean advanced warning systems for severe weather, um, are going to get better over the years. They're, they're better than they used to be, and I think they're going to keep getting better. I think our houses and stuff like that can be made more secure and more sturdy, so severe weather will not affect them as negatively. And all of those are things that we should work out, but all of those are working with nature, not working against nature. And you know some of these other ideas that you might have where you have houses that are built into the landscape and underground houses and stuff like that are another cool thing that we can do 
Um, and some other examples of working with nature that I like is, I think it's in Iceland, they have a lot of geothermal energy, and I, or geothermal heating. And I understand that geothermal does not work absolutely everywhere, but if you're in a place that has high, or let me put it this way, if you're in a place where geothermal heating is something that's practical to do, I think that's a great thing, because then you are just using the power of the earth to keep your house warm and all of that stuff. And it seems to be a better idea than just using coal or whatever. Now, I guess you could make the argument that using coal and other fossil fuels is sort of working with the earth because you're using the products of the earth to make heat, but it's not as sustainable as something like solar or geothermal. Um, and I'm not going to jump into the politics of alternative fuel sources that much because um, there's definitely a lot of problems I have with the political side of things. Um, and, you know, whatever side you're on, that is fine. That's not what this podcast is about. And I think there's good arguments on on both sides. But I'm talking about the idea or the goal or the ideology that maybe you want to work more with earth instead of trying to dominate earth instead of being like well i'm going to take all the resources from earth and not really worry about the long term is sort of short-sighted because you really want something that's going to be sustainable and you're going to be able to keep keep doing for the for the life of the planet um so yeah i i think that is a very positive idea where we have this idea that we can work with the earth instead of against it. Uh, but again, like I've said before, the earth is chaotic and there are events that happen that are chaotic that we're probably never actually going to be able to control. So sort of jumping back to the beginning of what I was talking about, um, what do you do with this idea of natural disasters? Uh, it is very easy to get a confrontational view of nature, where it's us versus nature. Um, and for the reasons I just said, that's probably not a good thing, but, um, you know, it's it's something that can happen. I'm just saying that we should probably not fall into that. We should really have this idea that, yes, the earth can be dangerous, and yes, there, there are um, bad things that happen, naturally there's these natural disasters are definitely bad things but overall i think the earth is is still a good thing that we should try to save and since everyone's living here uh, i feel like that's not too controversial of an idea so getting back to this idea of untamed potential which i think is how i started this uh let me see untamed potential right so another thing that i think that we can kind of or i should say another place where we can kind of see this happening is to go back to alternative energy sources. Things like solar power or wind power or even um, what other power, whatever other power that you can think of. Uh, that's a lot of untamed potential because, you know, the sun, for example, is sending energy down to the, world, to the earth. It's nothing conscious. It's just uh, natural phenomena that happens. It's not like the sun is conscious and it's trying to help us. It's just sending out a bunch of energy. So there's a lot of potential in that energy. And some of that potential is realized by plants using that energy to grow and stuff like that. But also if you're thinking about how we're going to, um, 
maybe tame that potential because again this this is all about untamed potential and what are we going to do with the untamed potential of the earth uh and with something like the sun you know we might be able to use that to make solar energy so that would be a good example of this like chaotic untamed or this chaotic untamed potential that we then use to direct towards something that perhaps we find useful uh there's a lot of other examples of stuff like that there's just all sorts of cool stuff in earth even if you think about precious metals and things like that uh they're pretty in their own right when they're in their natural form but once we uh use our own will to create them or turn them into something that we really like something that's really personal then i think there's uh, probably even a greater beauty and and that. So there's, there's all these different things when you're talking about untamed potential that we can do with the earth. Um, now these runes usually work on large and small scales as well. And I think there's certainly a lot of untamed potential in ourselves. We all as human beings have a lot of potential and some of us will discover that potential. Unfortunately, some of us might not discover that potential, but that's a thing that we have to consciously go after. And some of the ways that we go after that actually come up later in the rune poems, so I won't go into great depth today in how we actually achieve those goals, but I'll leave it at even ourselves. And we are a product of nature. Um, we are not created. We're not man-made, so to speak. We're created through biological processes. And we ourselves, as human beings, there's a lot of potential that we have. We can do nearly anything that we set our minds to, within reason, of course. But we can do nearly anything that we set our minds to do. And it's just a matter of, are, are we going to put the work in to be what we want to be? Um... And that's obviously something that's difficult, but certainly very much worthwhile. Like, are you the type of person that you want to be? And are you creating the type of things that you want to create? Uh, there's a lot of stuff that we can create. You can write books, um, create video games. I don't know, uh, make the world a better place. Uh, there, there's maybe get into politics or... Or just create something beyond yourself, whatever it is that your passion might be. There's a huge amount of potential, and obviously you can't do everything. There is only a finite amount of time that you have on this earth. But there are a lot of things that you can do, and it's important to ask yourself, like, am I doing the things I want to do? Because when you're young, especially, there's almost an infinite amount of potential. You can do whatever you want to do. But as you start honing your skills and as you start getting older, there's less potential, still a huge amount of potential. And then by the time you die, there's not really any potential because that potential has been realized. If you've done with your life what you thought you should done with what you should have done with your life, then you have realized that potential. And it's a very subjective thing because there's not really a place you can go and say, well, this goal is worth achieving and this goal is not worth achieving it's just more did you achieve what you wanted to achieve in your lifetime or not but that's something that we can look into ourselves to see like are we achieving our own potential in this situation or are we not and if we're not then you know maybe that's something that we'd 
we'd want to work on. But just like there's a huge amount of potential in the earth, there is also a huge amount of potential in each individual person. Uh, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's actually kind of a cool thought to have, I think. You can think about yourself and just the true amount of potential that you have. We as people can do so many different things. And it's just a matter of choosing to do that thing and then working towards that goal. There's always the question in philosophy, like, what is the meaning of life? And that's definitely a complex question, and I'm not going to answer it here. But one theory that I heard, which I think makes a lot of sense, is the idea that life is not objectively meaningful. Like, you can't point to something and say, well, here is the meaning of life. We all need to make hats. You can't do that. There's not an objective meaning of life. But what you can do is make a subjective meaning of life and then pursue that goal. And if you, if you complete that goal, then you have completed your meaning in life. And that's a cool theory because it gives a lot of power to the individual. As an individual, you can say, I don't have to work for someone else's meaning of life. I don't have to chase somebody else's dream. I can make my own meaning for life, and life will be as meaningful or as meaningless as I want it to be. Granted, there's a bit of risk involved there, because if you personally drop the ball, then your life will have significantly less meaning than maybe you want it to. So there's a lot of work going into it. Might be a reason not everybody believes this, but though that's true, though there are risks in it, I think there's really great rewards to it too, because you can really decide on your own and tailor make your own life. You are in charge of your destiny, completely in charge of your destiny, which I think can be a really positive thing to think. So, I think I'm rambling and getting a little off topic here, but I, I wanted to say that because I think that's a kind of inspiring way to view your life. So anyway, um, this podcast may be a little shorter than the others, but I'd rather it be short than me just start repeating myself. So that's fair warning. Um, there's one more thing I want to talk about, though. Uh, what I really want to hit on is the difference between the feeling of Urzas and the feeling of Feo, where Feo is the stable form of nature and how we sustain ourselves with nature, like through our domestication of cattle and stuff like that. And Urzas, again, is the riskier part of nature, if you will. Again, the Auroch is unpredictable, but there's a lot of potential. So there's there's a there's a huge chance for creativity here as well. I think this does have a lot to do with creativity. Uh, so one of the things that I mentioned in the definite or the meaning of Urzas from my website was the ability to create the universe in our own image. Um, that is a thing that I think is very positive, but also very risky. We're not doing something that's been done before. We're not doing something that's been tried in any way before. We're creating something wholly new out of this potential stuff that exists as the universe. And you can see the results around us, you know, buildings, cars, computers, whatever you look at, they once did not exist and now they do exist. And looking at an even bigger level, when we, we remember that Abdullah 
came into being in Ginnagap, which was this magically charged place where the worlds of fire and ice came together. And Ginnagap was again this untamed potential. It was just potential energy that had not yet been created into anything. And then in the creation myth, it said exactly how that potential energy actually turned into the earth that we live on today. And to a lesser extent, what we do every day in creative endeavors that we might go after is to create something out of nothing. Now, I understand that scientifically you can't create something out of nothing, and you're actually not. You're just rearranging rearranging things, whatever. But in another sense, you are creating something out of nothing. When you look at a book, sure, trees used to exist, and whatever makes ink used to exist, and you've just rearranged the molecules. But you've added a new idea in it. You've added new form and structure and order into it. And I think that the gods have a lot to do with order and bringing order to the universe. And that's one thing that we share in common with them. We're adding new orders to ultimately chaotic systems to give them meaning. So this is all about taking risks and doing the riskier things. It's not about continuing the status quo. It's not about raising cattle so that you can survive. That's absolutely necessary, but also that's been done before. It's not just filling the basic needs that we need to have filled. You know, that's kind of taken in taken up in, in Feo when we have this idea of wealth. So the sort of on the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, that's your food and shelter being taken care of. But this is something else entirely. This is that human need that we have to create beyond ourselves. To take what may be and make it um, into something that actually is. And you know, that's something that I think that we should spend some time thinking about. Like, what creative endeavors do we do? What do we do to create beyond ourselves? And again, there's a million different things that you can do to create something beyond yourself. Um, but which ones are you going to choose? Because necessarily, when you make a choice, you say, I'm going to write a book, for example... You're limiting yourself on other choices. Because right now, if I have some free time set aside, and I say, well, I can do something with that free time. I can write a book, or I can make a new Android app. Just random examples. Um, if I choose to create that book, if I choose to write a book, I have taken away the potential to create the Android app. Now, Granted, I can do both over the course of my life, but I mean for this time period right now. When you actually make a choice, you decide to do a thing, you are limiting yourself from doing other things. So the choice is actually a pretty big one, because not only are you creating new, or not only are you creating something new, but you are deciding not to create all these other potentials. You're cutting off all these other potentials and setting into stone that they will not exist because you've used your time to do something else. And that can kind of be scary because you can be like, well, I don't know which one would be better, which one would make the world a better place, or maybe just like the way I usually do it, which one would make me happier, creating this book or writing this app. And there's sort of a... Uh, uh, 
um, decision paralysis that I think is easier to fall into. It's like, well, which is better? Should I do this or should I do that? And pushing it off and pushing it off so we don't cut off the poten- the potential to do different things. We don't say, well, yeah, I'm going to write a book because we know that cuts off the potential app that we may make. And it's easy to fall into that like decision paralysis. Unfortunately, if you do, you end up cutting off both potentials. So the book doesn't get written and the app doesn't get coded. And then you've created nothing at all. And then that's kind of sad when you look up, look back on it later in life. So I guess what I'm telling people or trying to say is if you have a creative endeavor, you should absolutely do it because you only have one life to do it in. There's only so much time to do things. And and sometimes it's important to just sit down and say, well, I'm going to make a decision and I'm going to do this thing and then do that thing. And even if it's not good, you write your book and it's terrible or something. I I am writing a book. I'll, it's not Austria related, but when I'm finished, I'll probably mention it here on the podcast. And when I'm done writing it, it very well may be complete garbage, but I have still created something beyond myself. And I think that's a very unique thing that makes us very human that we want to change the world, that we want to impose order on the world. You know, most other animals don't do it to the extent that we do. Other animals will uh, create, change the world into their own image to an extent, like an ant colony or something, something along those lines. Or even a bird making a nest, you know, they've created something. But it's not created in the same way that people create things. We have, m- one, much more complex things that we are creating. Two, they're much more unique. They're truly a product of our imagination, where I don't know if the animals with the bird nest or the ant colony is really a product of imagination, or is it just working more on instinct? And you know that's a good question, and there's definitely lots of animal rights debates that might argue that. But definitely what humans are creating is significantly more unique and significantly more complex, and it lasts longer. We still have artifacts from thousands of years ago where you couldn't find the same things in animals. Um, Maybe there's some prehistoric ant colony that we could find, but for the most part, those usually go back to the earth and things are pretty much like they always were before. Uh, Not to downplay the significance of animals creating nests and ant colonies and everything else, because they are very impressive in their own rights. But I just think that humans are creating things completely from their imaginations, which is a pretty big differentiator between how we do things and how maybe animals do things. And and this rune is all about that. It's about that creative force. So I guess I'll start summing up. There's a lot going on in this rune. Um, it's really all about that balance between order and chaos. Humans naturally want to add order to the universe. But the universe is, at least to some great degree, chaotic. So 
we are always fighting against that. We're trying to put order into a chaotic universe. And it does stay for a while, but it doesn't stay forever. Anyway, so you've got this idea that there's this balance between order and chaos. People naturally want to add order, but we're always working against the fact that the or the, the universe is kind of a chaotic place. Um, and we use our creativity and our imagination to impose some of that order on the world around us. And it's always fleeting to an extent, but that doesn't mean it's not important. It's the creative act that is far more important than the actual results from that act. So I guess that I would suggest everybody do something creative because I think that is a huge part of what makes us human. So anyway, I know that was a little bit rambly. Hopefully you enjoyed it and got something out of it. I am going to wrap up and thank everybody for listening. And I'd like to remind people, if you'd like to check out my web site, please do so. That's at hugenhoff.org. And if you'd like to send me email, do that too. It's hugenhoffpodcast at gmail.com. I think that about covers it. So until next month, fra hail.